Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo. It's more than just a podcast. It's a source of insights to keep you tapped into all things data-driven so that you can be the most informed technical expert in the virtual room. Listen in weekly to stay educated on the latest trends in backup, recovery, storage, cloud, and security. I'm your host, Demetrius Malbro, and on this episode of Data Protection Gumbo, I have a conversation with Boyan Ivanov, CEO and co-founder at Storepool Storage. Boyan started programming at the age of 10, roughly the same age he started his first venture and the latter stuck. Boyan has versatile experience in the enterprise and SMB worlds and has also been part of several startups. Now he is focused on helping leading companies to have a better business by using state-of-the-art primary data storage solutions. And in this episode, we discuss some of the latest trends in the data storage industry, the rise of SaaS, and how to protect your data storage from bad actors. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, Boyan. How are you today? Uh, Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. How are you? I am fantastic and just really looking forward to diving in uh, around number one store pool and also uh, yourself as well. So why don't you start off by introducing yourself to the audience? Sure. So my name is Boyan. Uh, I'm based out of Europe, uh, Sofia, Bulgaria, uh, when I'm not based on the plane. My story is that I started programming at the age of 10, but I figured out that's not my thing. And I've always been interested in computers and did all kinds of things. Also founded a couple of companies, worked for other companies. I've also ventured in uh, the worlds of finance, uh, but always came back to um, IT. So I figured out that uh, I'm more interested in the business side of things. Uh, So for the last about 11 years, I've been running Storepool Storage, which is a company that's doing uh, storage software for uh, high-performance clouds and demanding infrastructure. So it's an infrastructure play, and here we are. All right. I love it. So let's start off high level, and I really want to get your view on some of the trends that that you are seeing in the data storage industry today, because I am a little bit removed from data storage, even though I deal with backups and backup and recovery and all different types of data from that perspective. But the storage industry overall has gone through a significant shift, just as all other industries as well. So I'm really curious to see What are the things that you are seeing right now in the industry? Sure. I I like to think in terms of master trends that are driving the market and consumers and business needs and uh, try to uh, deliver a solution that uh, fits in in these master trends. So the master trends, there are uh, several of them, but I think the more notable is one, the shift to software leading uh, and all hardware following in the old days with the SAN and NAS architectures, uh, you know, storage was centered around hardware and now that's shifting to software being the magic. It always has been, but now people realize it. So that's a big shift to software-led um, architectures, uh, both in storage and in networking, does the software-defined data center movement. And another big one is the shift from 
capex to opex meaning everything is becoming like the cloud and cloud like adoption models which uh, gave birth to soft uh, storage as a service which is basically the idea of uh, consuming everything uh, be it in the cloud or on premise as a service on a pay pay per use type of mechanics which has huge implications for the industry and the way you deliver and the channels and the products you build and the consumer uh, so th that are two uh, large trends that I see. Okay, okay, got it, got it. Okay, so I, I've seen some of those as well. The the capex to opex thing was, to me, it it was a force force field where everyone was forced to to move in that direction because the the cloud and how everything morphed with virtualization and convergence of of just software and digital transformation. So. Um, another thing that I am also curious to find out and get your perspective on, Boyan, is also you mentioned software as a service. And so I want to get your perspective on why SaaS is a a great first move. And first, I, I, I think that that's what you think, <laughs> that you do think it is a, a good move. Uh, for organizations that are going to the cloud, and what are some of the some of the benefits, and maybe even the pitfalls around looking at some of these services and, and going these the SaaS route? As as with anything, there are pros and cons. So with uh, software, it's uh, where the magic is. If I, I give this example with consumer IT because people understand it, like twenty years ago when we were going on a holiday. You had a GPS, you know, physical map and your camera and these things all converge in a single device with more or less standard components run by software. And if you don't like your camera, you can actually change the software on your camera and get better photos on the same device. And I think... And you also had your, your wife nagging you about going the wrong direction as well. On, so. on every second corner. <laughs> but uh, yeah, exactly. And yeah. now... Uh, enterprise IT is going through a similar transformation where we have a standard building block, which is typically a, a server that runs the compute. You know, you need it for running the applications and databases and everything. But now, with the help of intelligent software, we can actually make this device to behave as a storage appliance without it as a virtual storage appliance or a, a virtual switch or virtual router. Uh, and it's faster, cheaper, more agile, uh, easier to automate, more scalable, which has a number of advantages, you know, just taking uh, the uh, hardware resources and managing them by intelligent software. Uh, and this is, uh, I think, a, a, a big shift from uh, people thinking in the old days, this is my rack of compute, this is my rack of storage, and this is the network in between. And now it can be hyper-converged, so we have, this is my rack, it runs storage, it runs applications, it runs everything, right? And compute workload. And I have my network uh, top of rack switches and, and that's it. It's simpler, uh, it's more scalable, etc. So that focuses on the business needs. And you know, people don't need storage, right? They have customers, they, their customers have applications, these applications have data, it has to be stored, it has to be fast, it has to be reliable, it has to be um, uh, cost effective, but you know, uh, that's kind of the name of the game and just software led technologies make it easier for companies that are providing this infrastructure, these services to end users, uh, you know, to have a better business. Mm, okay. And what, what have you seen, if, if any, I'm sure you have, but just the overall um, morphing from, you know, the on-premises software where individuals had these, you know, physical racks of servers and pizza boxes, as we used to call them, 
you know, in rows and rows within cabinets of cabinets. Now that this is a, it's a software play where you literally can point and click and you can see a physical, well, not a physical, but a virtual representation of that particular disk or storage device or server, whatever the case may be. Do you think that security and trying to secure that that information and that data has also gotten more complex just with the overall nature of things now being more ubiquitous uh, with the World Wide Web? Absolutely. I think complexity is just uh, increasing with every new technology. Like in, in the old days, you had a couple of each uh, pieces, right? Uh, if, like even if you think in names of vendors and approaches, you had like your switch was a switch. That was a device, much uh, as a pizza box, and it was coming from three, maybe four major vendors. Now you can have, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten companies doing that as a software on standard hardware. You have the old guys. You know, and this is just complexity because then you have the firmware and all the, the nitty gritty stuff that sits in the infrastructure layer. Then you have more software layers on top and just complexity just piles up. So uh, that means more surface area. That means for security, it's harder to uh, make it secure just because you have more pieces of, you know, moving parts in, in the stack. So uh, that, you know, very simplistically, that that's the thing that directly leads to complexity. There is no way around that. So that needs more security. Obviously, you have lots of conversations with C-level executives such as yourself. What What is the number one thing that they are asking from your perspective just as it pertains to storage? So there are a couple, depends on the background of the company. Uh, in my head, I make two distinct, I divide companies or people that I talk to in basically two large groups. One are companies that storage is not fundamental to their business or they are not as educated and they think, okay, that's another, we have to take care of that. Uh, it should work somehow and be cheap, right? That's one of the buckets. And then the other bucket is either they are more sophisticated and they need a faster, more reliable storage or they want to innovate or storage is a very core part of their business. And they think of, oh, I want to be a leading enterprise. I want to have a leading service. And in this case, the conversations all about capabilities, features, integration, how we can extract value and deliver it on the marketplace to differentiate your business. So, you know, then all the discussions around, you know, the technical technicalities of the deployments and the pricing models, they basically follow these two branches, right? Let's say you have a company that's in the first bucket. Maybe they are using some software stack that's already uh, not supported by the vendor that delivered it, right? They haven't updated it for five years. Um, and the other ones, they are always cutting edge or, you know, they put a big uh, stress on uh, how this technology is going to uh, be better than what is available from their competitors so they can uh, shine. Okay. And you, you mentioned innovation is one of the things that, I guess C-level executives are always trying to get a step get a step ahead and to continue to innovate so their business can, you know, be more effective and um, also, you know, increase revenues and shareholder value, et cetera, and all of those things. But one thing that comes to mind to me is automation and, you know, being able to kind of use APIs to be the gatekeeper between, you know, your software product or hardware product into another product. So it's like a, a, a bridge and a highway between both products. You know, what role 
do do you see automation overall and especially infrastructure automation playing in in the future uh, i think it's uh, a, a paramount role uh, the more sophistic, sophisticated uh, customers that we've got uh, are larger they have everything that's automated just because at the scale and complexity of the business or the soas that they want to to cover you know you cannot do it by hand Coming back again to the discussions we would have in a, in a different uh, type of uh, customer, uh, if they're having an infrastructure that, you know, uh, designed by the principles of 10 years ago, that's managed by hand. That's GUI. Like if you're looking what guys are doing at scale or the most sophisticated users, it's all self-service, it's API, it's instantaneous. And uh, that means that automation is like very key to, to having that. Even uh, even if you have a small scale and you just want to deliver a very robust and uh, you know self-service capability to your users, that that only happens with automation and the right tools. So I, I think you know it, there isn't you know even at small scale and at big scale for sure it's it's all about automation and integrations and APIs these days. I definitely see that myself and. Let's talk a little bit about you mentioned cost earlier. So let's let's go ahead and and talk about the number one favorite topic of CFOs, obviously, and you know any anyone that's leading um, a you know division or group, then they have to manage budget. So what should data storage buyers, individuals who are you know actually signing against the dotted line to buy more storage? Uh, et cetera, whether it's NAS, you know, network um, attached storage, or maybe even tape, you know, tape is still around today. But w- what are some of the um, buying decisions or how can you explain what that purchase decision looks like today? Is it more complicated? Is it easier? Um, how does that look today? Uh, I would say it's more complicated uh, and I'll explain why. Uh, but first, I'll may, make the disclaimer that there is not a single answer because it depends on use case by use case. Let's say you want to buy a primary storage system like the one that uh, my company delivers. That fits for a number of specific cases around very high performance data that's mission critical. And then the way that you would calculate the price and the services that you need to run it and the SOAs and the total cost of ownership is different compared to a case where you have to store, let's say, tape data, right? Because it's set and forget. And in one case, also it stems from, if you're using tape, that's likely, let's say, for a a, a data that uh, you have to keep a record of because of uh, some law. And you need to make it as cheap as possible and just compliant with the, the regulation that makes you to kind of to store it then if you have a production system like store pool that delivers uh, databases like oracle or sap and you that's the core of your business and that determines whether your you know millions of customers are going to be happy or not that's a very different decision so there is not uh one size fits all i think uh, to put it a bit more practical typically uh what i see where i see mistakes are made are in improper sizing that's why we help our customers if they come to us we okay let's do a sizing of what you have now let's do a sizing of what you would need about some technical parameters 
Like what is the performance? What should be the latency? What should be the size? You know, and and work around specific requirements. And then another area that I see uh, that typically is uh, done wrong is calculating the total cost of ownership. People don't budget for a lot of things that are, for example, sitting in somebody else's domain. Let's say a CTO would have a budget for technology, a storage budget, but then the CFO would hold the FTEs or the, the headcount. And then the, the CTO would say, I'm looking at doors per gigabyte, but the total cost of the solution is actually seven times higher, for example, and because the other side of the budget is held as employees in the CFO's spreadsheet. So these are things to kind of have in mind, for example, a couple of important ones I've seen. And also since, you know, I've left the storage industry, you know, it's been at least maybe 15 years, but still connected, you know, backup and recovery is still a part of the storage industry. If you ask me, because right. backups are stored somewhere, right? <laughs> so you have to be privy of the types of storage, cold storage, hot storage, and you know all these different as a service type models of where you you store it, store it, whether it's in the public cloud or it's in a private cloud somewhere. You know, one thing that I, I do want to get from you too is I, I know Storepool, you you guys, you know, do it a certain type of way, but I'll give you an opportunity to give the gumbo listeners kind of a brief rundown of, you know, how you protect your customers' data storage. Sure. So there, we specialize in high-performance primary storage systems. And there we have a, a lot of functionality in the software to protect data of the primary systems. This is end-to-end -end data integrity. Uh, these are things like snapshots and cones. These are things like uh, encryption on drives and technologies like that. Then we've also developed a, a technology that our customers use for system level backup because you know every system, any system can have a, a disaster. Let's say something happens in the data center, your primary system is down, then you need to have a system level disaster recovery or backup. And we also have a built-in technology uh, in Stropo that can uh, backup and restore store pool systems it's on a system level for you know the entire uh, cloud that we power uh, in this case it could be you know typically a re remote location it has a lot of intelligence around encryption and of the data and it has a lot of intelligence around doing for example cross backing up let's say you have a couple of locations one east coast one west coast we can do cross, cross backups in, in these locations and things like that uh, so it's not the most sophisticated because we specialize or it's very sophisticated for the use cases of our customers it's not as wide as uh, some other people or some other companies products that are doing only backup and disaster recovery because this is an add-on that we provide free of charge for store specific systems so you know these are two levels that we kind of protect the data in the primary side and then we do backup disaster recovery restore uh, snapshots that can keep data for example uh, to do a snapshots every day and restore to a given day in the last whatever system uh, administrator selects how, how many days of data you want, they want or they want a minute per minute backup, et cetera, et cetera. And what, what's one of the most interesting recovery scenarios that, that you have seen over the last couple of years? I'm sure you have seen quite a bit where something went wrong and someone lost a data set or a workload or an application was down and it, it was it just kind of threw you for a loop. Do you have any interesting 
stories. I know you can't say names, but you can keep it all anonymous. And I am always open to hearing these different uh, recovery stories if you have one. Let me think. Actually, our, our primary systems behave so well, and thankfully there are no issues in the data centers they run in. Uh, so we haven't had a, a big impact, but uh, we had a case where a system administrator um, had a very uh, tough day, uh, you know, and they, at the end of the day, I think they got uh, a bit distracted and deleted some of the primary data mm. of that system mm-hmm. by accident. And, yep. you know, that's a disaster that, you know, our functionality restores from. You know, okay. we have a, a, a snapshots of the data, you know, that's also policy driven and automated. And then you can restore. You would a, a encounter some loss in this case. Let's say they deleted it, you know, 10 minutes after the last snapshot was taken and, and backed up. Uh, but we've seen it's in many cases, it's either a large scale system error, like a, a fire in a data room in a data center. Or it's human error. So these are the two typical things we've seen. Thankfully, we haven't seen a lot of, uh, or uh, pretty much any ransomware attacks, at at least on our uh, side, like the types of systems we specialize, although they are also highly secured as as a design reference, design end-to-end from data center, physical security, down to the uh, separate components that run in that IT stack. Yeah, and I was definitely going to ask you if you had seen any ransomware attacks or, or issues lately as well, but you just said you, you didn't see any. Thankfully not. But... I, I know they're uh, increasing in number. Thankfully, we haven't seen. Okay. Uh, that doesn't mean we, we won't see one tomorrow, right? But mm-hmm. uh, at least our experience is uh, that the systems we run, there are also a specific type of systems as mission critical systems they are maybe more isolated than other systems that are more open to the uh, let's say the internet that are let's say customer facing or SaaS type of system so most of our systems are assumed behind ticker firewalls and also you know you, you've been around for a while I've been around for a while as well and I'm, I'm interesting in interested in some of the changes that that you have seen maybe over just the last year or two, like when COVID just hit and, you know, everyone went inward and started working from home. And there was obviously also a lot of innovation uh, that that was happening as well. But I'm really looking to see if you have any uh, details around what you have seen that has changed just overall with the, especially the rise of public cloud and, you know, how people are using it nowadays especially when it comes to to storage uh, it was mixed right so we had pros and you had cons uh, on on uh, the pros uh, we had you know the digital transformation that people expected to happen in the next five years happened in, in six months so that was good uh, then uh, also something that people don't uh, think about is in the old days, uh, you know, the, I think the world uh, came closer together because now it was a time, a single time zone that was Zoom, you know, or whatever tool you were using. If somebody is, you know, five hours apart, 12 hours apart, but they are uh, at the right spot on the call, you say, okay, that's good. And in the old days, that was like planes and, you know, a couple of days of uh, planes, right, and meeting people. So that accelerated business. That also meant that customers had to adopt technology and become more sophisticated just to cope with the new demands. 
So these are these were all on, on, on the positive side. Then there are also some negative uh, impacts, uh, and we know that people stayed at home. They couldn't network, and people were you know were social animals. So we need to kind of uh, you know uh, meet people and uh, shake hands. Uh, then you also had a lot of projects that got delayed or cancelled. So I had uh, you know huge growth in some areas of IT and storage in particular. Uh, and then a lot of other deals that fell uh, apart uh, because, you know, companies cut budgets and, and things like that. Mm, I think also for the, for the cloud domain, there were issues with the supply chains and hardware. So it was uh, all over the place. But uh, on I think overall, that's been a huge tailwind for, for the storage industry and then basically the, the, the cloud industry. Yeah, the, fan, the, the conversation has been fantastic. And I, I appreciate uh, you taking time out. Maybe one more question before we begin to wrap up for the, the Gumbo listeners here. Looking into your crystal ball, you know, what are you seeing for the future of, of data storage? I would say uh, some of the things we discussed, like larger scale, more specialization, uh, like companies and use cases become more specialized to address the needs of a larger audience. I think storage and, and, and IT and cloud computing is becoming like the new utilities, like you know, gas and electricity. So it it, it as it gets scale, it gets more users that have some specific needs, and in this case, it, it gets tuned, uh, which requires different uh, solutions sometimes, and just like. Uh, new products to satisfy this new uh, new use case. So I think it's more software, more automation tools that are better fitted for uh, the cloud era because now software is becoming the bottleneck. So maybe reengineering of a lot of the technologies that we already have, but making a a, a, a new generation type of technology uh, that serves the, the the business needs and, and and therefore the technical requirements of uh, today's users better. Yeah, I, I think the 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 change to Everything as a service is a mm-hmm. big one because it basically changes the structure of the economy. Right. It removes the uh, middle layer before you need to go and, and talk to a reseller, sometimes a distributor. Now it's more direct to consumer and everything is like you enter a credit card, you know, you buy a Tesla in the mall, right? You buy a car in the mall with your credit card and that's consumer level, but also uh, B2B. So I think that's a big shift that actually has a lot of implications or, you know, it, it, it uh, changes the structure of the economy itself. I, I appreciate you you providing those details and I'm sure the Gumbo audience will have some takeaways there. And so what what's on your nightstand? What are you reading these days or any, any book recommendations for the Gumbo listeners? I'm usually reading things that are very specific for an issue that I've got. Let's say uh, you need to Mm -hmm. uh, open an office in a new country that I'm reading uh, things around that. Otherwise, it would be the, you know, the the classics around crossing the chasm and Ah, uh, things like that or uh, good to great, zero to one, a lot of things that are, I think, fundamental doing business and... um, no, mind that I'm one of the least technical people in the company, so I'm more interested in you know growing business or sometimes uh, around um, dealing with customers and things like that. So all great stuff. I do appreciate the time that you've taken. I'm sure Gumbo listeners will walk away with a few insights from our overall conversation around the storage industry, and also um, just really glad to have you on the show. And uh, you you have a great one. Thanks for having me and all the best to you and your listeners.
Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.